Yeah, I am a little bit nervous today. Why? Because I feel like there's such a big expectation on me to make sure that this episode's actually decent. Well, yeah, it is because I'm not going to speak much. This is about you. Yeah. So I'm like <laughs> over here chilling and I'm like, yeah, girl, I've got this. Yeah, me, I'll help. Ooh, Bollywood. Bollywood. Oh, just gave away what it's about. Everybody comes to Bollywood. Anyway, um, hello everyone. Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Of organised fun. <laughs> love my life, isn't it? <laughs> I love fun. I love being spontaneous. I am Amir, the curvy fat one. I am Amir, the not blonde one anymore. And you are listening to us live recording. And this week we are talking about... All things Bollywood. Bollywood. Why Bollywood? Um, because I'm from that part of the world. No, you're not. Yeah, I know, but like, if you're South Asian, you you just know everything about the Indian film industry. Do you know That's what I mean? so shady to any South Asians that don't. Do you know any South Asians that don't know anything about this Indian film industry? You said industry? everything about the Indian film industry, and I don't know everything about it. Okay, now you're just splitting heads. I'm just saying. Girl. Yeah, so, but yeah. you know what I'm. You know what I mean. No, I feel like you're coming for me, girl. If I wasn't gonna come for you, you'd be crying I on the floor right now. <laughs> so predictable. Anywho, that's called being married. This week, fuck off. We are talking about Bollywood, Shollywood, Wallywood, Tollywood. Bollywood. Okay. Bollywood, Shollywood. Pause there. I think you've just in, insulted a lot of industries because, you know, there is such thing as Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood, Tollywood, and Lollywood, and Pollywood. What's Tollywood? I think that's the Tamil in film industry is called Tollywood. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. Nollywood. I rhyming words. Nollywood is the Nigerian film industry, which I'm told is booming. Yes. Yeah. So, our mirror over here is a huge person. Bollywood fan. I am indeed. Like, massive yes. Bollywood fan. And when we first started going out, I wasn't, I wasn't really into Bollywood. I am now. Mm-hmm. He has converted me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come along as my uh, lord and saviour. You are converted <laughs> now, yes. Hallelujah, may the church say yes. amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, um... We went to watch our first Bollywood together, and it was PK, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah Amir Han's film, PK. Was that your first Bollywood ever in the cinema? Yeah. Oh, how cute. What was your first Bollywood that you ever watched? PK. <laughs> was it? I, I, I dipped in and out of stuff when my mum was watching it, but I never really got into it, because it was sort of like, oh my God, this is like really bad. Do you know what I mean? How interesting. I did not know this about you. Well, God. I think I did. I you just did. forgot. You liar. You see, I chose to forget so that I can remember again in order to keep the relationship interesting. I think I just... Stop being mean. <laughs> I think I just ran away from the idea of all the culture because I associated with religion and everything like bad in my life. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Me. Every story's sad. <laughs> no, not every story's that sad, but I'm just saying. But now I, as an adult, I'm embracing it. And also you have so many people around you that tell you everything shit about your culture. And it's like, no, actually, it's really good. Yeah, people are afraid of your strength, uh, you know, the strength that you have in your culture and your ethnicity. People are afraid of the power that that brings and therefore they can only bring you down in order to feel better about themselves. Yeah, sure, why not? I think so. Anyway. I agree. Um, so let's talk about Bollywood. How we, How is this going to work today, darling? How's your episode going to work? The Chai on Bollywood. I thought that we could talk about some Bollywood films that made an impact on my life and maybe our lives. And, and I could talk to the guys about a few significant Bollywood films that have come out over the years. Give a little bit of tea on it, spread a little bit of shade and just navigate a few key questions in and amongst talking about those films. Because we have asked for questions from people. Thank you for the tweets and the DMs and the emails. Unfortunately, we can't answer everything in the episode. Mm. And we'll try to incorporate it. But I will do a quick fire round with Amir. And he doesn't know the questions about the quick for the quick fire round. So, you know. Yeah, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to have. Okay, great. So. Can we start with, can I ask you, mm-hmm. and you can talk about this as well, mm-hmm. what your favourite Bollywood film is. I know what it is. And mm. why, and why is it your favourite Bollywood film? I think half the world knows what my favourite Bollywood film is of all times. In case you don't, here's a little clue. Do-la-dee, 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 do-la-dee. 
Okay, before the sewers. Um, that is my favourite film of all time. Dave does. And you... <laughs> I've watched this film. Mm-hmm. It was also one of the first ones I've watched. So when we started dating, it was Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the films I bought you. When we were in the hotel, you made me watch this film on Valentine's Day before we went out. Wonderful present, by the way. Thank you. And I'm never watching it again because it was fantastic but heartbreaking. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. <laughs> that, that used to be my nickname in prison, you know, fantastic but heartbreaking. Still is. <laughs> yeah, Dave Das is my favourite film of all time. I have probably seen this film uh, about 200, 250 times. I have seen this film more times than I could care for. Like, I used to see it on a weekly basis, then it went to monthly, and now I do it as a biannual festival that I hold in my own head. You've seen this film more times than you've seen your mum. Dude. Oh my god, I wow. get you where it hurt. <laughs> yeah, I know. In case you guys are wondering, I've been abandoned. Why is this your favourite film? Because the because Dave Das harks to an era of films that were very much based around escapism and fantasy. A lot of the, the golden era of Bollywood was very much around the 60s. And 60s really ramped up the concept of musicals, colour, dance, um, great costumes, great film sets. That was all what the 60s was about. And the reason why that was because the subcontinent was going through quite a growth pain in terms of its development. And you had all these labourers, all these people who were doing really, really tough jobs and all what they wanted was an escape. And Bollywood provided that escape. Bollywood still provides that escape to to a large extent. And Dave Das, although it came out somewhat 30 years after, it had that element. You've got a story of a classic love triangle, which is typical of Bollywood. You've got it set in early 20th century. It's about uh, the class system, the difference... It's about costume, it's about melodrama, it's all of the stuff that doesn't exist anymore. And so it's it's almost fantasy in a way. And the emotions in the film are just so raw, brilliant. Was, was that the film that got you into Bollywood? It was, yeah. Before Dev Das, I remember seeing adverts for Kabi Khushi Kabi Ghum. Ooh. The film that you hate? I don't hate the film. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we will do. We'll, we'll hark back to that later. Yeah, and, and that was the first. And then I remember Devdas was introduced into my brain in a really weird way. There's this song that Madhuri Dixit does called Kahe Cher Mohe. And I just remember B4U Music, the TV channel, used to do like five, ten second clips of songs as part of promos or something. And or sometimes the full song. And I just remember catching the last ten seconds of it. And she was in this gorgeous red costume in this mujra that she was performing, which is a dance piece. And I was like, oh my God, who is this person? What is this film set? I need to know more. And I just became fixated. I was absolutely fixated. I'm not trying to go off topic, but I am going to a bit mm. like, how old were you at this point? And ha- so 12 you were, years old. So you were 12. 2002. Okay. And you were exposed, the first time you were exposed to Bollywood and you felt that magic and what did you, what did you feel? Yeah. I mean, exposure to Bollywood was there throughout my yeah. life. When I was younger, we would listen to songs from Pakiza. My dad was a big fan of Umrao Jan. We would listen to all, all sorts of Bollywood music. It would play in Pakistani songs as well. They would always be there. Noor Jahan songs always played. So it was always a big part of my life. My mum was a big fan of Sri Devi and the film Jandni. So she, the, the, the influence was always there. But in terms of me and my personal exposure, that it, it was Dev Das. And I just remember just feeling euphoric and thinking wow what is this and it's bizarre because then I would see clips of the film and those days we didn't have YouTube we didn't have the internet in the same way that we do now we didn't have Shazam you couldn't Shazam a song so I used to have to wait for this B4U loop to finish so that I could watch the same song again and I'd always miss it and I'd always catch clips but I somehow knew that all of these clips related to the same film so then I came across the name Dev Das and then I saw the trailer and the promo and I was like, oh my God, I need to just sit on this film or just 
do something, pee everywhere. I don't know. It was just amazing. And then I remember it was Eid and we went to Manchester and I begged my parents to stop outside of uh, Band Rhythm Music Centre. And I went in and I bought the Dave Doss soundtrack cassette. Yes, cassette. <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am. And I was just so happy. And my parents were like, why, what are you doing? And I was like, it's Eid, leave me alone. I used to just, I played that track, that cassette for time and time and time. And did that get you into like dancing then? Yeah. So that was the Big moment time. For you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Das, uh, when it released uh, in 2002, it was the biggest Indian film ever released, to have ever released. It had the biggest budget. It was the biggest Indian film th- the world had ever seen at the time. Wow. The costumes were absolutely phenomenal. They are absolutely phenomenal. And they, th- there's so much attention to detail paid to that film. So just a little bit of background, the director of the film is somebody called Sanjali Labhansali, who is a household name now in the Indian subcontinent. And he also made the films Bajira Mastani, Padmavat, Black, Guzarish. And he is heavily inspired by some of the directors of yesteryears, such as Gurudat, who made Sahib Bivi or Ghulam. Uh, which is a film that I'm, uh, which I love, Kamalam Rohi's film, Pakiza. He's influenced by them and inspired by those directors. And I I love those films as well. So when Devdas came out, he was heavily inspired by Sahib Bibiur Ghulam. And if you look at Sahib Bibiur Ghulam, there's a lot of parallels. There's Mm. some scenes, dare I say, are stolen. Believe it or not, even though Devdas is my favorite film of all time. But Sanjali Labansali, what he does really well is he makes a film his own he's known for his aesthetic his attention to detail and when Devdas released they called it an instant classic and they said that every scene that opens is like a painting on canvas and it is I watched the film with that in mind once I was like okay let's look at every single opening scene Every single opening scene in that film is a painting. It tells a story. It, there's so much depth to it. And uh, and even in, in, in terms of the detailing of the costume, say, for example, and, and the set design. So the story is of Paro and Devdas, who are sort of star-crossed lovers, if you like. Paro comes from a lower economic, or economic background, whereas Devdas is the son of a landlord. But they're neighbours. And the sets are glamorous and gorgeous, but what you'll notice is Paro's house has a lot of glass in it, whereas Devdas's house is made out of solid brick and wall. And instantly you can see the discrepancy and the difference in uh, economic standing because they obviously can't afford as grand of a solid built house as, as Devdas. So it's interesting you say that as like a new Bollywood watcher. I see a lot of symbolism and everything. Yes. Because everything's symbolic. And you're saying, you know, a glass house and a brick house. And I'm thinking, okay, that brick house has got more to hide. Yes. Then the which glass house, do. which, which, is, which is, you know, tra- everything's transparent. transparent. There's nothing to hide. Yes. And that's what I love about Bollywood, the symbolism. Yeah, the symbolism is huge in that film. And, and it's interesting you say that because... Devdas's family are hypocrites. They they are hypocritical and they do have things to hide. He has an evil sister-in-law who's out to ruin him. Whereas Baro's mum is really open and honest about her past. Baro's mum came from an acting background. She was a dancer, which was considered uh, something to look down upon in those days and in that time. But she was really open about her past. And then even in terms of the costumes, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but or, or next time, if anybody wa- listening to this watches Devdas, just pay attention to some of the scenes. You'll notice that Baro, Ishwarya Rai's character, looks gorgeous, but her costumes are made out of sort of tissue material, tissue cotton type materials, which are cheaper to what the Devdas's family wear. Devdas's family wear a lot of silks, they wear a lot of velvet, and velvet is often associated with royalty and um, rich, you know, higher economic standing. So just that level of detail and the attention to detail, you know, you as somebody who's a film fanatic, you, you really appreciate it. In fact, there was this one costume that never was part of the film, but Madhuri Dixit was due to dance in it and the costume weighed 30 kilos and she couldn't do a twirl every time she'd do a twirl she'd fall down so they wow. ha- they had they had to actually make her a different costume and if she can't do a twirl nobody can do a twirl yeah li- literally literally it was everything in the film was 
just perfect in terms of all these creative heads coming together. They had a great producer, fantastic director. The choreographers, um, Saroj Khan, who is really well-renowned um, and she's given delivered a lot of hits with Madhuri Dixit. She um, did the song Dola Re Dola. She did the song Mar Dala. Pandit Birju Maharaj, who is a world-renowned Kathak dancer, choreographed the song Kahe Cher Mohe. And, you know, it, it all just comes so well together. And I think that's why I like it. I love it for its artistry. I love the story. I love the songs, the music, the dance. And I love a good heartbreak story. I'm a little bit dark like that. And Dev Das delivers on all. And the dialogues, my fucking God. The dialogue is incredible, they I've are. got to say. Because mm. watching it and like your heart is like... I'm not even going to be rude, but in your whatever. Yeah. Like, you are dying. I just want to ask you, because a lot of people want to know this. Meow. What did you think about the ending to Dave Das? Was it fitting or... Loved it. Yeah, why? Loved it. Because I think maybe what some people don't remember is the tagline of the film. The tagline was... So the, the full title of the film with the tagline is Dave Das, a grand saga of doomed love. So it the the story was doomed. It it was written. It's the Devdas is actually based upon a book that was written in the nineteen hundreds, I believe it was, by a Bengali author. I can't remember his. Well, I know his name, but I can't pronounce it properly, so I don't want to be disrespectful. But he actually wrote the book, and and the film is obviously based upon the book. So the ending was very very fitting, although. Uh, it almost ends a little bit ambiguously, I suppose, because technically Devdas has died and we don't know what's happened to Paro. But I think I read about it somewhere that in the book, Paro dies of heartbreak after a few days or within a week or something. So they're lovers doomed from the start. Very good Romeo and Juliet there. Yeah. Star-crossed yeah. lovers doomed from the start. And maybe the book might have been influenced or written at a time where people really did believe that, you know, stars controlled your fate and your destiny. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of references to the moon um, uh, in terms of vanity and and how the moon can't afford to be vain because it has a scar on its face and therefore Ashwarya Rai's character Baro must um, humble herself. And she ha- she does have... See, they're, they're also doomed because Devdas has a temperament and uh, Ishwarya Rai has pride. Ishwarya Rai's character Baro has pride. So... It's interesting because Devdas's character gets consumed by his anger and Baro's character is somewhat humbled when she loses part of her pride. She's humbled because she ends up getting married into a family of even higher standing than Devdas. But also, Devdas leaves a mark on Ishwarya Rai's character, Baro's face, to symbolise the scar that the moon has because the moon isn't completely luminant or whatever it is. So, you know, the metaphors and the, the poetry behind it was really interesting work yeah and, live. and that was masterclass on dave das. well i think you could talk about dave das for like 10 more hours yeah i could but, i could you know, i absolutely um, could because from my perspective he just loves dave das so much i remember sometimes when i'm out <laughs> and about when i'm out with friends or summer i'm like so what are you gonna do he's like, i don't know i'll come back he's like, i've just watched dave das yeah it's, it is a ritual i i do i do factor it in my life and you know that one day a year that you're away somewhere or something i will sit and watch it <laughs> with, with tissues i have bought it off youtube video i have it on standby i can watch it whenever i need to <laughs> fantastic so that that's brilliant on dave das but um mm. i want to touch upon um it's a bop it's a bop man it's a bop in a few weeks we're going to see a film in the cinema aren't we mm-hmm. and this is an old film that's been re-released in the cinema which you booked us to see and i've never seen what is this film so this is another film that deeply impacted me growing up and the film is called Pakiza and i am so excited to watch it finally in the cinema so I haven't seen this film before. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a bit about it and what I can expect? Sure. It's basically Dev Das made in 1972. <laughs> <laughs> Will I cry? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you'll be devastated. Cannot wait. Yeah. It's, um, actually, do you know what? I love the opening 
credits of that film. That it's so beautiful. It's a really harrowing film. Why you, do you like, gonna the, absolutely why do you like the opening credits so much? I'll play it. You will know for yourself. He's twerking to the race. Oh, it's so beautiful. So, what were we saying? Oh, sorry, I'm back. Yeah, why do I like this film? Okay, so do you remember when I was talking about Dev Das and I said that the director of Dev Das, Sanjilila Bhansali, was inspired by the likes of Kamal Amrohi? Yeah. Kamal Amrohi directed the film Pakiza. Okay. Uh, Pakiza released in 1972 and I love Pakiza for multiple reasons. The first is of course I grew up listening to the songs and I thought they were current at the time. <laughs> they obviously weren't. Um my my family my parents absolutely loved Pakiza. They used to love the songs. My mum used to play them all the time, especially the song Chalte Chalte. She used to play it all the time. Okay, I'm jumping the gun now. So I'm going to break this down. The first is Pakiza. Pakiza was the lead character in Pakiza is a lady called Meena Kumari who was known as the tragedy queen of Bollywood. I live. Oh my god, I, I you know I really cry. I have had tears in my eyes watching her performance. The way she portrays pain, I have never seen anyone portray pain like that. She's absolutely phenomenal. And what's even more interesting apart from the fact that the film has a runtime of 2 hours 55 minutes so good luck with that for fuck's sake <laughs> you put me through marvel the last justice I'm sorry, league whatever it was called no, justice league na cha cha <laughs> i did not put you through put you through marvel 3 put and a half through, hours you, it was a three and a half hours it was three hours and that's the one hollywood film that put you through that's quite long and it was incredible and it was the end of a saga i didn't put you through anything i didn't put you through shit you're being racist towards my culture no, right but now like, but, but why are you making like i'm putting you through it maybe i'm looking forward to it now you're ruining me looking forward to it so you're not selling it to me. Like, I've asked you, like, sell it to me. Yeah, I'm selling it to you. Okay, so <laughs> I love you. So, uh, yeah, Mina Kumari is. The, I don't the, blame you. Mina Kumari is the lead uh, actress in it, and in real life, she was the wife of the director Kamal Amrohi. The film took 16 years to make. <laughs> What the fuck? So it gets How better. How many breaks did they take? Well, the one of the reasons why the film took a break was because. the director and the actress husband and wife separated they never divorced but they separated and the film is about heartbreak as well so the gag the gag and the goopery so they started the film making it in black and white and there's a few clips of a song being recorded in black and white and then the final version of the film was released in color so it was reshot but so the, we'll be seeing the colored one won't we we'll be seeing the colored oh, version yeah but the film took 16 years to make and mina kumari died shortly afterwards after the release of the film when the film released initially it received a lukewarm response and it was a flop when she passed away then it became a hit and she died of alcoholism she died an alcoholic and she only died she was only i think 39 years old when she died but you can see the age difference in the film because she became a severe alcoholic towards the end of her life and you can see in the film there's different scenes where she looks really young and then she doesn't look as young and also another really interesting thing about the film when you watch it notice how slowly she walks and everyone always says oh she looks so graceful in the film so elegant and she plays the role of a courtesan she would portray herself like that but she moves really slowly and her a lot of her of her scenes are stationary and it's because she was too ill she was too ill to actually oh, wow. act so they would literally like bring her on set do her stuff and then go and then in the climax of the film there's a song called tere nazar which means the arrows of the eyes that song has a lot of slow bits and some faster bits and they used a body double for her even when they are showing meena kumari's face so when you see the film when you've got the close ups it's meena kumari when you see the long shots with the dancing you'll notice it's a different actress and and many people don't know this but you and if you pay attention you can clearly tell it's a different actress yeah i cannot wait because she was too ill to dance she was too ill to move wow 
What the film is about is uh, the life of a courtesan. So Nawabs, who are aristocrats uh, in the Indian subcontinent, they would visit courtesans or they would take them in, in their, within their employment, which basically means that they would pay to be entertained by these courtesans, essentially. And so, you know, the concept of mujra and dance performance and, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's a whole episode in itself. Anyway... So Meena Kumari's character is, she actually plays two roles. She plays her own mom as well the, at the beginning of the film, which is really iconic. So she, her, her <laughs> it's pretty funny because it is, it is just Meena Kumari, but with a blonde wig. They put a blonde wig on her. myself playing my mom. Yeah, they, they put a, they put a, <laughs> they put a blonde wig on her and give her blue contact lenses. Oh, beta. I am beta. Yeah. So, so basically Meena Kumari, um, her, so the, the character is called Pakiza. So Pakiza's mom marries a Nawab who, whose family does not approve of her. They abandon her. Meena Kumari's character Pakiza is born as an illegitimate child who gets rescued by the courtesans and uh, she just lives her life not knowing who her father is and is raised by her aunt. Then her dad tries to find her and they move in order to escape that and then she falls in love with another guy and then there's a whole plot twist and everything which is really exciting and it's it's about the fact that through no fault of her own the character continuously feels heartbreak and rejection because of the way society views and portrays women of of such a profession and what's interesting is it's a great film the great character but it's true of what used to go on in Bollywood films around the 50s, 60s and 70s. Women-centric films did exist, but the female character was often portrayed as a damsel in distress or a sacrificial lamb of mm. sorts. Even if you look at films such as Sahib Bivi or Ghulam, which was a phenomenal film, it was... Meena Kumari's character was great. It was phenomenal. She played an alcoholic in that film, which is a little bit ironic, but... She, um, her performance was brilliant, but she was the one suffering and she was a damsel in, in distress. And that was always the case. And thankfully, that narrative has changed. But that's not to discredit the films of yesteryears. You know, Bakiza is a phenomenal film. And what's interesting is um, Mina Kumari designed all of those outfits herself in the film. She designed oh, all wow. of her own costumes. Talent. And I think she um, participated in the choreography to a certain extent as well work mm. so you t you said like you know a, a lot of films then were about the woman being the damsel in distress do you think um bollywood mm. has progressed with that it has it has yeah bollywood has progressed uh, <laughs> i think it's gone from like being under empowered to sometimes being over empowered i know it sounds controversial no i i i know it sounds controversial because right it's gone from like, not all the time. I think initially, yes, women were portrayed as damsels in distress, which is not good. I've always believed in gender equality, which is great. But what we have to realise is that we should focus on gender equality in the real world, not the film world. Because the film world is, especially Bollywood, is heavily commercialised. They will commercialize anything that sells so if they want to make a film about female bandits and female murderers they'll do that and people will label it as being as, as as being female empowerment and i don't know if that is actually female empowerment but you you just giving different roles to people without actually putting much context behind them i think uh, forgive me if i'm wrong mm. because I know you're saying you're being controversial. I think maybe you're trying to say that, just so I understand, that um, for female empowerment, it needs to really be something that tackles an issue in society that's mirrored and reflected in the film. Yes. Females as opposed to, let's make female murderers because that's female empowerment. Yeah, exactly. That's what you mean by too much, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. In such films such as um, the one, the toilet one. Yes, the film you know, called Toilet. And the one with the um, period pads. Yes. And, you know, that was empowering females because it's a real issue. It's a real issue. And by issue. putting it on the screen, people mm -hmm. can actually see the real issue and realise that females need to deal with and then we need to be like, oh, shit. Absolutely. We need to do something about that as opposed to, oh, yeah, females are murderers in the film. That's female empowerment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, exactly. That's That's exactly what I mean. And, and you know, uh, there's many women in in 
the real world who are of South Asian descent and they live the corporate life, they are productive, they are they're successful and I'm glad to see that that's coming through Bollywood as well. So there's a upcoming Bollywood film by Vidya Balan called Shakuntali Devi. Shakuntala Devi uh, is based upon a, a real life mathematician that existed and they recently released a film called Mission Mangal which I didn't watch because I don't know it seemed a little bit patriotic to a certain extent by the promos anyway so I, I, I gave it a miss but um, what was great is that they put the limelight on these female scientists who had contributed towards this mission, uh, or this space mission, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And in terms of female empowerment and having more women-centric films, because that dropped off. In the 80s yeah. and 90s, it really did drop off. And it was difficult for, especially the VH VHS culture that came in, it ruined the Indi Indian film industry because everyone was just pirating them. So they just shoved colour in everything and just made whatever they could just to survive. Um, but one film which was quite prominent in kind of the resurrection of female-centric films was uh, The Dirty Picture. Yes. I've always wanted you to watch The Dirty Picture. It is a phenomenal film. Love that song. It's based upon... Oh, you which song? Ooh la la, ooh la la. Yeah, that song, but the actual Hollywood Dirty Picture song. Oh, right, okay. And, and The Dirty Picture is about this B-grade actress who existed. Her name was Silk Smitha. It's based upon, loosely based upon her life. And it's about a woman who is a B-grade actress by choice. I don't like saying B-grade actress, but she used to do a lot of erotic type films, you know, and risque dances and stuff. But she also rubbed shoulders with all the A-listers of all the Indian film industry. So she was well known. And the film tackled the issue of her not being able to hold the same level of respect as these A-listers did and the hypocrisy of it. And unfortunately, she passed away by suicide at the end. in, in the end. But the way the film tackles it and the way the protagonist feels empowered by their own sexuality was really, really important to see mm. because it was a woman who was doing something what she wanted to do and not apologizing for it because she wasn't hurting anyone and she was able to call out the hypocrites for being hypocrites and i thought that was really that was really important and empowering i don't think giving women a lot of guns and saying go kill people is empowering do you know what i mean yeah, I, I don't I get your point. I, I, I don't see that it, there has to be more context behind it i get your point and like with with the picture one i guess it is very empowering because you know the riskiest stuff she was doing and taking control of her life and doing what she wanted to do. Mm. But also sometimes when, when I'm in the cinema with you and I'm watching some of these films and my mind's blown like, oh my God, this is a great message to send out. Mm. Sometimes I feel like it's falling on deaf ears. Yes. I don't know if it's where we live or the people, but like there's moments that happen in these films where, you know, women are being empowered or something's terrible happening to them and people are laughing. Yes. And yes. I'm there like shook and in shock, like, oh my God, this is happening in the world. We need to do something. And people are laughing. Why do you think that is? I think maybe it's because some people haven't managed to keep up with the shift in Bollywood. Yeah. You know, when I was talking about, oh, by the way, before I forget, Bakiza Guys is being re-released in uh, cinemas. So it is currently running in some select cinemas in the UK, including Birmingham, London and Bradford. So we're going to be watching it on December the 8th in Bradford. So if you guys are fans of the film and want to see it in, on the big screen, I know it's a rare opportunity. Um, definitely go in and see it. I cannot wait. I'm I absolutely kind of wait. I'm so excited. I'm just going to be sat between you and my mother. <laughs> I know we're both going to be crying. <laughs> I know. It's going to be brilliant. I, I think you're really going to enjoy it. The synopsis that I've given you of the film, do you think you're going to like it? Sounds good, yeah. It's popcorn good. sounds even more exciting. <laughs> and the songs are beautiful. Okay, so what I, what was I talking about? Yeah, why, why do people laugh? Why is that, that disconnect you were saying, right? Yeah. I think one of the reasons why is because a lot of people haven't, a lot of people have failed to keep up with the changing times of Bollywood. Before, the Bollywood cinema was very much around escapism, larger yeah. than life, unrealistic and somewhat aspirational. Now what has drastically changed is that cinema has become a lot more real and that is what the audience have responded to. And the core, core audience of Bollywood, for example has matured over the times and they've changed. Now, where you had a film where you had a lot of slapstick comedy, for example, uh, is is at times replaced with some real hard-hitting cinema, 
that may be about domestic abuse or yeah. it may be it may be and it mirrors life so you may have a film that's comedic but then you have a serious scene oh, and, yeah. and the reason why is because it mirrors life and for some reason the audience enjoys that now where you know you've got something serious happening and then you've got a light part and it reflects life because you have an, you have ups and downs in life right but i think some people just don't get the message because they've had a hard day or whatever and they just want to go somewhere where they can be lost in a different world and so when they see something they don't know whether they should laugh or whether they should smile but i also think it may be a cultural thing you and i went to see a film called uh, punjab nahi jaungi yes um it was an aesthetically pleasing film it had great songs the th- plot was threadbare and i did not agree with that plot at all mm. it was sending the wrong message this man had physically abused his wife he'd slapped her up and even in the film it was almost comedic like the guy uh, who was sat down one of the elders downstairs he heard the slap upstairs and he went oh he slapped her oh. people laughed in, and people were laughing and people were sniggering and smiling i remember in 2005 i went to watch a bollywood film by shreya rai called provoked which was about manslaughter it was about oh, it was based upon a true story of a woman who effectively murdered her husband but her sentence was reduced due to a, in the introduction of a new law which is all to do with being provoked as to whether you were provoked to carry out the attack so she was constantly abused and one day she set her husband on fire and then he died of the burns and that film was really good it's it's one that stuck in my mind made by jagmohan mundra i think his name was he's passed away now and there's a scene where ishwari rai was dancing with one of her husband's colleagues on his insistence then they come home and he's drunk and he's accusing her of all sorts and then he grabs her by the hair and puts an eye into her face towards her face and he says I'll I'll fuck up your pretty little face and he calls her a cunt and stuff people people were laughing people were like <laughs> oh my god maybe it's the nerves or maybe it's just the insensitivity but because of the culture i think people different people are progressing at different times some people see it as comedic they don't know what to do with it and other people just accept it as part of life and now because there's a lot of domestic abuse within the south asian culture it's extremely high you know, extremely high and people just see it as a normal thing my my friends my western born educated friends used to say oh my uncle if the food was too cold or if it was um not right my uncle used to literally just get the plate and just put it over his wife's head my god and she used to not say anything and just walk out and i was like and none of you did anything and they were like no and we, we were like he was laughing about it or sniggering and i was like that's not really funny but that's what you see and then you produce in these males that continue the cycle because that's all they know and yeah. see yeah. and females that don't know what to do and it continues doesn't yeah, it yeah of course and and that cycle is breaking there are some really really positive films out there and there's a lot of films that are tapping into the strength of women and don't get me wrong if somebody wants to make a film about women shooting up people and just being horrible in general fine you know whatever floats you go but um yeah in your gut <laughs> but i think what's really oh god that's really tickled you isn't it <laughs> yes floating i just imagine this billy got his floating in the river yeah. um but i think there are some really great films out there that are sending the right positive message in various different ways whether they're portraying women as sports people or whether they're portraying them as bankers financiers government officials scientists is being done and it's doing in a really really positive way which is great and that needs to continue because I, I, honestly i really think the the women in bollywood are the, its backbone oh 100% yeah. my god i well now as a new bollywood fan i go to watch the the, the female actresses like who's in it exactly it. exactly and like everyone uh, says you know it's the main hero and there is a big hero culture where the male protagonist is often celebrated and they tend to get paid more they tend to get all the accolades and the women are this accessory but i'm sorry if you take out the woman in the film what are you going to watch a fucking sausage fest do you know what i mean <laughs> where hell <laughs> okay <laughs> made that a joke to the wrong person <laughs> but do you know what i mean what are you yeah. going to watch loads of salman hans running around and dancing with each other yeah okay i'm still i'm selling it to you now aren't i <laughs>
No, but you know, I know, you know, I know what exactly I mean? what like, I mean. I'm just taking the piss. Like, it's important to have a female protagonist. I mean, they don't all always have to be in fine jewellery and everything. It, that's not my point, but um, they are the backbone of the film industry. Wow. Can I just say, this is really educating. Really? And this motherfucker just has this knowledge and said, there's no notes, nothing. It's just all <laughs> spewing out of him. And I'm like trying to rein him in. Like, I know you could talk about this for 10 hours. I could. But you know, could. we've covered Devdas and Pakiza. That's all what we've And we're like 40 minutes in. Well, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. Or what you want to talk about. Um, is there anything particular? I, I would love, personally, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. I would love to touch upon a film that we've watched together. Okay. Like, I'd like to talk about Bad Marvet. But Marvel, so Ooh. like that's more modern Chardon film. Uh, well, it's modern, but it's based in like twelve hundred right. AD. Why do we love Bad Marvel? <laughs> Tell us. Okay. Not just the music, though. Oh my god. Um. Well, I'm trying to find one rhyme or reason as to why we may like it. Maybe it's because of this. Yes, you best shake that booty. <laughs> so let me talk about this song Goomer before this motherfucker gets in. This is, would I say your favourite song, one of your favourite songs ever? Yes. Okay, so this song, I will tell you all, because I remember. Made me some serious coin, but we'll it get did, into that we'll later. To that. <laughs> this song, um, I remember when it came out and it wasn't the first, there wasn't the high quality version. And um, Amr downloaded it and got it. He played it, and kid you not, on repeat, Forever, like it didn't leave in the car. He'd listen to it for an hour in a row, everywhere, everywhere. And then the official version came out, and he learned the whole dance routine because he's a great dancer. And then, um, how did you make some coin out of it? So yeah, but Marvel absolutely loved the film, loved the songs, loved the song Humor. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's. I think it portrays Rajasthani culture so well. And if there's anybody who's from Rajasthan listening to this, you may probably disagree because. It's quite Bollywood-fied, but it's a great representation nonetheless. And even if it's not, even if it's, you know, somewhat lacks in authenticity, I don't care. Even if it's not, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is my podcast and not yours. I'm really enjoying this. (laughs) So, like, Goomer... um, How did I make coin? Yeah. So, basically, there was a group of ladies who were part of a golf club that you introduced me to. Yeah, one of my colleagues. Yes, and they wanted to put on a Bollywood night and they wanted a dance performance and they asked if I could choreograph it. No way, they asked me if I could choreograph it. Yeah. Because because she thought I was was like, I can dance, like, do the slut drop. Yeah. But I can't dance. And then um, I gave them a selection of songs and they chose this one. And I was like, good luck. They chose this one. You sort of forced their hand and you like pushed them towards this one as a true teacher would do. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, But it was beautiful though. It was. And, you know, then they started paying you to do the dance classes. Yes, they did. Yeah. They, I used to do dance classes and we took a pause on that. But um, for the purpose of the classes were for the purpose of that event and they absolutely loved it. And they were so sweet. They got me flowers and gift vouchers for afternoon tea and, and paid me. And it was, it was, I mean, I would do it again. I, I don't care about the money, but it was just interesting because... Uh, like everyone there was such a hoo-ha when Badmavad came out and I was like uh, it's giving me coin oh yeah Wait, wasn't it meant to be released and it came out later why why what happened so would you like to shall I give you a little bit of background information on Badmavad and it'll lead into that yeah go for it girl so Badmavad is directed by Sanjili Labansali who surprise surprise directed Devdas as well so anything is, is this person dead by the way no. Okay, good, because everyone seems to be dead. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's, he made Padmavid like two years ago. You can't afford to die I, now. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, he's he's alive. He's he's remaking another film right now, actually, which was the Meena Kumari film. So that'll be good. But yeah, Padmavid was due to be released in 2017. And then it was postponed. And the reason why is because Padmavid uh, was the film was originally called Padmavati, which was uh, Rani Padmavati, uh, and and the film is actually based upon a story, an epic poem that was written by Malik Muhammad Jayasi in something like twelve hundred B, oh no, fifteen hundreds. It was written in the fifteen hundreds, uh, and the and Rani Padmavati existed in like the twelve hundreds, I believe. But unfortunately, in in fact. 
we don't know as to whether Rani Padmavati existed or not. There's there's much debate Ooh. as to whether she exists or not. However, perception is reality. There are a huge number of people that believe Pad- Rani Padmavati existed and that she was a queen and she is revered as a goddess and therefore she is worshipped. And there's people who claim to be of her lineage in India. So when they saw the song Ghumar and saw Deepika Padukone showing her stomach dancing, they saw a queen goddess dancing, but not in the good way. They li- it could have been a prophet dancing. <laughs> and so they were like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the way that you're going to show Rajasthani culture. We're not having any of this. And also there were some political elections. So all the politicians got involved and they put a ban on the film. And I was so annoyed. I was so, so annoyed because whether it's true or not, I think there is such thing as freedom of speech and cinematic liberty and you should just allow it. Do you know what I mean? If somebody wants to put their voice out there, it's fine. You as a consumer can choose as to whether you want to watch it or not rather than stop it from being watched. That's so true. I mean, I have to listen to Boris Johnson, don't I? So, you know. Yes, he provides moist cake. Do you remember when he said that? Yeah, I do. So... That happened. So there was loads of protests in India, loads of uh, all sorts going on. And then finally, I think it went to the high court and eventually the political party said that they're no longer interested in stopping the film from releasing. They had to CGI Deepika Padukone's stomach to stretch her outfit over her stomach. And that's what's released in the final version. So if you look at the original teasers that were out, you can see her stomach uh, or her midriff. And she doesn't have a stomach. She's absolutely phenomenal body. But in the released version of the song, it, she's CGI'd. So the, the released version we get is a CGI of this material over her stomach for one song. That's was All that this was over a stomach. That was the big. That wow. was the biggest objection. That was the biggest wow. objection. Yeah. What an incredible film, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Rani Padmavati or Rani Padmini, as she was known, she was a 13th to 14th century queen. But yeah, whether she actually existed or not is uh, somewhat of debate. But yeah, so the film is, again, it's that love, it's not even a love triangle, but it's, you know, she plays the queen of a king and the ruler of a different land hears about her and wants to acquire her of sorts. He's like some sort of bisexual warrior madman uh, called Alauddin Kilji and the film ensues. Yeah, there's many bits which I agree with, somewhat disagree with, but I think just cinematically it's stunning. Oh, girl. Absolutely stunning. It, and, and again, that's one of the reasons why the film was successful is because it's so fantasy-based in the sense that it's so such a departure from today's reality. Because at the end of the film, if you guys haven't seen it yet, then, you know, you've been living under a rock. So spoiler well alert. Spoil- yeah, spoiler alert. At the end of the film, Rani Padmavati carries out self-emolition. So she sets herself on fire along with all the other women, which was not uncommon for women of royalty to do if their husbands uh, or, you know, if their, if their tribe lost a war so as to protect their honour, as it were, and keep the blood pure, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and that's what she carries out, but in today's day and age, that wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? That was a moment. Was yeah, cute. cinematically, it was, oh, it was beautiful. I was like, oh my God, let me take me with you. Yeah, I was considering, like, would I do that for someone if I loved them that much? But then she was wearing all that gold jewellery and that must have burned. Like, that's not good. So true, but you do that for me. I mean, obviously you'd burn because you're going into fire, you know. but, you know. Yeah, probably. The melodrama, you'd live for it. Yeah. Well, not so much fire as a cold shower. <laughs> I would run through a cold shower for you and then be like, ooh. See, I, I, really, I really like that film. Yeah, it was a gorgeous film. What was your favourite bit parts of the film? The Everything. Really? <laughs> I just love the symbolism throughout it all. Mm. I, I'm, I, you know I live for symbolism. I just love, love the symbolism. But that, obviously the scene at the end was incredible. But it was just a, an outstanding film. Like, that was one of my favourite films, Bollywood films that I've watched with you, I think. Really? Yeah, like, I love that and I love... Um, the Bully Hour one as well. Edil Himushkir. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that film is the only Bollywood film that I watched again. Yeah, you don't watch films twice, That do you? was incredible. My fucking God. 
like the soundtrack's amazing as well because they used the Papa Roach song in Bullyard, didn't they? Yes, yeah, yes, they did, yeah. Which is, which is a gag, last resort. Yeah. And just the twists and the turns, and spoiler alert, but what's the face when she had cancer? <gasps> oh, yes, yeah, yeah, And yeah, that I moment, I will never forget the moment in Sin Man. I've got goosebumps now thinking about it. Really? You know what's moment I'm thinking about, don't you? Yeah. It's when Ishwari Rai appeared in the <gasps> airport and she turned around. Oh, I've got shivers. Do you, and do her, you... her, her face was so beautiful, I could cry right now. And I just remember there, there were some girls there in the cinema and they were so they were like fuck this bitch they were gasping they were there was an audible gasp it was like <gasps> when she came onto screen everyone went <gasps> she's was so like, beautiful I felt sick I was I hit I loved her but I was like oh my god the box yeah that's a sickening song but, but yeah that beauty will always stick with me <laughs> like oh honestly it was it was the best she's ever looked on screen it was ridiculous ridiculous yeah. and a lot of people will say that Doom 2 is probably the best that she looked on screen but I would say it was Edel Himushkil she's someone who looks better with age oh she's so beautiful okie dokie lemon pokey. that's all the time that we have for today's episode and we shall be having part two next week in which we talk about some lovely topics, right? Oh yeah, go on, hit us with the topics. What are they? Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we shall be talking about why Madhuri Dixit refuses to retire, why Bollywood is fundamentally camp, the voice of the LGBT community in Bollywood and how that's increasing, more beauty, Ishwarya Rai related things, a few more honourable mentions, Pakistani cinema, and then I answer a rapid fire, which, if you know me at all, is neither rapid nor is there any fire, but it's fun. So I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode, right, Amir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, dokes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it, bitches. <laughs> Sounds really authentic. Sorry, I was eating. No, you weren't, you yes, liar. Oh my God, why are you lying? Why are you like lying about me lying? Your lies are shorter than your crop top that you're wearing right now. Stay pressed, bitches. Oh, I wish you... Do you know what? I'm going to take a picture. No. No, it's just so iconic. No, go away. There we go. Okay, so... Uh, yes, Amir, if... Do I look fat in that picture? No, you don't Can look fat at all. You look skinny as fuck. Oh, I look fat. No, you don't. Oh, I'm going to kill God. you. Okay, so guys, thank you very much. And you can follow us on Twitter at YDLM underscore Twitter podcast. Sorry, that is YDLM underscore podcast, hashtag YDLM podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. DM us, message us, we will always reply. And love you all. Thank you for listening to part one of this Bollywood special. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Bye.